So, you think you're untouchable? Word life. This is Michael L. Craver. We are at 924. 2020. We've reached Thursday, September 24th. It is right around noon here in North Carolina. I've been enjoying my morning. I have been working. Oh, if you, I do have a lot of booty, but I've been working my ass off uh, for sure. Multitasking this morning. Uh, someone asked me. They said, "Are you not? You're not utilizing your rest periods or whatever they call it." And I said, "No, I'm not. I'm making it as hard as possible. So if in the event that I need to let some of the pressure off, I need to let that steam off and get down to the substance, then I will have that leeway. Right? I've built it so that I'm from day one. I'm sprinting everywhere I go. So if I ever need to jog, I can jog. Like we have that leisure. We have built in." sort of de-stressing periods and, and tedious uh, periods where we can... Uh, hold on. This is over? This is over. All right. Now, here's your chance to take notes and stay on task. Well, I do it at the same time. I'm talking and typing and <laughs> switching screens, and I am tearing it up, man. It's been a good morning. Uh, you hear me. I'm happy. You hear the voice, the laugh, the energy. Of course, the energy never stops. Some of you ladies know that. Um... I'm looking at my notes here. I'm looking for something to make a podcast out of. But I already said, look, I'm going to I'm going to have to do this episode about how women rule, ruin the world and <laughs> I said, well, it's Thursday'll be the day we'll redeem ourselves on Friday. We'll talk about Thursday. Look, it this generation is not you're not there. You weren't there. It's like holding accountable the people who had sharecroppers and whatever, you know, back in the day. You guys, you guys, like we weren't alive back then. You know, we don't even, you know, know those people. Never met those people. Anyway, uh, that comes from this assessment of economics and, and social studies over the years. All right, let me get some Dr. Pepper, and we're gonna we're gonna roll into this. So, where it comes from is Mr. Jordan B. Peterson. Because when we got to talking about um, people taking these wild jobs, and it, it, it stems from the transgender thing. That's where Jordan Peterson started getting noticed, right? He said you can't force language on people. He doesn't mind acknowledging transgender people. He does. And Ben Shapiro talked about the same thing, how if he's at dinner with someone who prefers to be called the opposite sex, it would be rude not to do that to their face at dinner. But he said in public, where this is a discussion and there's, it's up for grabs, Absolutely not. Peterson is talking about how women uh, have come out of their homes and they've wanted to work, and, and that's a wonderful thing. But in some ways, they've got it right, and in some ways, um, the numbers make it wrong or make it uncomfortable well, for many of us. And so here's how that works. Um, if you have um, – I'll go back to my family. So my grandfather works three different jobs. He's in the army for the post office, all right. and and his wife stays at home and she raises the kids. So the kids always have a biological parent or a parent, a guardian at home, whatever your situation may be. All right, so you always have somebody there for them. They always have one on one attention from the family, from direct family, from like immediate family, like a medical contact. Okay, now once that person goes off and works. Well, we want to work, too. All right, we'll go work. But who's watching the kids? Oh, we got money. We'll hire a babysitter. That's not a biological person, and it often is not family. 
you've taken the quality out of the situation, right? But we have to work. Right? As a result of the way things have happened over the last 70 years, yes, you have become people who have to work. But here is why. If I own a business and there's five guys in the town who can do the work that I want and they get together or they have some idea, they can basically make me pay what I need to pay to employ them or I've got to do something else. I can't do that business anymore. Okay, But if there's 20 guys in that town who will do the work that I need, well, I can get them to underbid each other. This is the problem with that most folks have with undocumented workers or the people who work under the table. Those guys will do the work for nothing that you require $10 an hour for. What's the problem with that? Well, now I can't get hired because they're going to do the work for $5 an hour. That's right. And so when you have more people, somebody's desperate enough to do the work. And then it undercuts the whole system because then they start paying all the new people this and the people who get raises get less and less. And the people who are in management, man, we got to phase them out. We can hire, we can promote these other people. They're not making nearly as much. They'll manage for what the old money was starting out. And that's how it is now. Those of you who work in service restaurants and at uh, retail and stuff like that, yeah, they're going to give me $11 an hour. Yeah, the same as the door greeter everywhere else. Walmart starts people at $12 an hour. And if you work third, you got shift differential at 13 If you're at SunTrust or Target or any of these places, it goes up and up. But if you're working somewhere and you're like, yeah, they gave me $10. Ten dollars? That was good ten years ago. What the? You know, you're in the wrong decade, brother. You know, and I just I look at that and I think, you know, that's that's just wild. Um, but I've had people who are doing the work that I'm doing, and they're like, yeah, I've never had a white collar job, and I'm like, I don't know, if this is a white collar job. But I mean, I don't know what they're paying everybody. To be honest with you, they're paying them a hundred thousand dollars. But um, that's not true. But I do know this, like, it's got benefits and it's full-time and it's a dying breed. I know that. Here is the problem you run into with that stuff. As you have people who work for less money, they also work for less benefits. And often they hire two people to work 20 hours instead of working one person for 40 hours. Now you got more people to choose from. You can hire less people. You change the job requirements. Oh, high school diploma, GED. It's cool. And as you do that, and you have more candidates, you can start paying less and less. And if you've noticed this, if you're a person who's been in the workforce a long time, job descriptions used to have the salary range or the pay range for that job in the description. They deleted all that shit a long time ago. I mean, like 10, 15 years ago, they started doing that and really, you know, making it a, the standard to not have the pay included. So the guy on the same crew with you who's been there longer makes significantly different money than you, but you ain't allowed to talk about pay by policy. And most people who make that money are not going to tell you, and they shouldn't tell you anyway, because it creates this weird atmosphere. And they've put safeguards in place. So I do a great job, and I'm going to make a raise this. I'm going to get a raise this year. I've been exceeding expectations. All right, well, you uh, did below, so you get 1.5. That's your raise. You did on par with uh, the uh, system here, so you get 2.1%. That's your raise. And if you exceed expectations, you might get a, a 3% raise. And if you're making $10, remember that's 30 cents. 30 cents. That's it. Um, and I, I'll give you a true story. I was running the frozen, uh, foods department for a retailer 
So I'm a department, uh, essentially a manager who's over just the frozen. Then we got 1,800 SKUs. We're doing all this stuff. I got a helper, and it requires about 30 hours a week to put the the stock up, and then there's extra hours to run back stock. So about 30 hours. I had 18. He had 12. This was not a full time job. I'm a stay at home dad. I'm doing this three days a week, and then some more on Sunday for. Um, what they call it, some people call it zoning, some people call it fronting, some people call it other things, but you're conditioning the store. You're, you're pulling all the product and looking like it's stocked and straight and it's shoppable, right? Picturesque. We start out with 30 hours between the two of us. I'm working 18. He's working 12 as my helper. By the time it was three or four months into it, I was remembering everything in every door, the schematics of it. I had the back stock and I would pull it out and I could read my pallets very well. So I could pull my pallets and down stack them to, to take them out of the floor. And I'd run my back stock at the same time. So you're pulling out the current stock and the back stock. And as you have overstock, you put it in with the back stock. And it's a great system. You never have to run twice. I mean, it's, it's, it's great. It's phenomenal. It's just highly organized. It requires usually money to do that kind of thing. But I was doing it for a decent rate. I don't remember, $12, $11, whatever. And no, it was $10. And here's why I know that. So the other guy that's working with me, at some point, we lose somebody else somewhere else on the floor. And he moves. He's an older guy. His hands are getting cold, arthritis. He's in freezer section. I understand. Now I'm doing the work of two men. But I'm able to do the truck in about 15 to 18 hours. All of it. It's a 30-hour allotment on the budget. So when they gave me the, the opportunity to do that and excel, I was like, great. And they transferred the other guy. So he ain't even working them in 12 hours. Just think of his 12 hours. Forget the fact that it's 30 hours and I'm doing it in 15. One man. One man. One vote to free South Africa, you dumb son. <laughs> so I'm there in this meeting to be evaluated. And he's like, you're exceeding expectations. We're going to give you the 3% raise. I'm like, 3% raise? That's 30 cents. I'm saving you seven twenty-five an hour at the lowest because we've transferred this guy. I'm saving you 15 hours a week, which means in the course of the week, let's just go with the $7 times 15, is $105 a week. I'm even doing the truck faster than I'm supposed to be doing it as one man. Like, you should give me $3 an hour and keep the other four, and that's only if he's making minimum wage. If you're paying him 9 or 10 bucks like me, you're keeping $7 an hour. You're keeping a whole minimum wage person. You can do what you want. You can hire somebody else. I don't care. But if you're not going to give me that money, like I'm just going to work slower. And I will be well within my production standards to do so, for one. And two, you'll have to hire somebody else. And three, I guess you're just, you know, I'm going to start looking somewhere else. you got to know that, right? Like, you're losing a hell of a valuable asset in the long run. And in the, in, the, in the scheme of things, like, I would be a phenomenal grocery manager, which I was later, grocery manager and stuff. And he was like, well, i, I got to take this to somebody else because they're handicapped by that system. They don't have just the open flexibility to give you money and give you a raise as they see fit. They can't go, oh, look at your numbers. You're doing twice as much. Let's give you twice as much money. You're doing the work of two people. Let's give you two people's money. Because if I'm in a department by myself and that department is allotted $50,000 and they're giving me twenty five, but I'm doing the whole department's work, I want all $50,000. I at least want like thirty five or forty. You can hire a helper, keep the other money. Like, and I'm flexible. Like, you keep the other money for now, and then I'll earn it, or we'll figure something out. Maybe it'll be a bonus. But the reality of it is, if I'm doing 100% of $150,000 worth of work, I should get 100% of $50,000, okay? 
Now, how did women ruin the world? Let's get back to that. Okay? Well, it's not them. I mean, you could take and you can swap out gender or say horses are doing the work, whatever the fuck. But when you have an exponentially higher number of people to be hired, employers can now abuse the system. It's an employer system. They can hire people at less hours. So there's twice as many people. They don't have to hire them full time. So they can deny people. You're not denying people, but you're offering part time jobs without benefits. And as long as somebody's taking those jobs, they can keep offering them. Right, because they can low bid the hell out of everybody, and people start taking them, and then they're tied to those wages. And I was listening to Bill Burr last night talking about, you know, you get a dollar raise, you start spending two dollars. He's like, you know, you get a new job and you buy a new car, and now you're now you're fucking married to that desk. It's a ball and chain because now you got to pay off that car. And I've had this talk with some other people around me. They're like, yeah, I own two cars. And I'm like, yeah, but you live in an apartment. Like, that's not fucking equity. Buy some land or fucking, you know, put a down payment on something. Rent a fuck, you know, start putting money into a rent house or something. You can touch it, feel it, sell it, you know? No penalties. It's not like you can buy stocks and bonds and do things with, with other investments and, and annuities, amenities, but you can't. Take that stuff out without either a commission or a penalty, and just just remember that. So, um, and I might be talking too fast or over somebody's head, but the, the, the scheme of the things is this. All right, if you and I are working together, and I said we're going to hire five people next week, we got to do our budget. We need five people. We got to have people to pick up the trash down this road. And everybody shows up, I'm like, yeah, I'm working. What are you paying? I'll, are you qualified? Let's see your resume. All right, well, we're going to touch base with you. And then you got other people, and they're jumping in. What are you paying? Minimum wage? I, I work for minimum wage. And then you start thinking about it, and you're like, I can pay everybody minimum wage. Uh-huh. Because it doesn't require, you know, all of these accelerated skills to be able to, to, to be on the the crew to do um, the Adopt the Highway program, right? So... You pay less. The requirements are less. Keep the extra money, right? Because you already got a grant or you already got your budget made. But the less you can pay people, the more that budget you keep. The more you can give it back to the office or give it out in bonuses or whatever. So the average guy who used to make X number of dollars, his money goes up the ladder somewhere. You're allowing that when you talk, when they talk about the upper 1% makes 99% of the wealth, that's why. If people refuse to work and made them pay, and they, and they do this sometimes in unionized states or with different uh, fraternal, like, you know, the police have the fraternal order police, or you know, you have the coal miners union or the teachers union or whatever. Um, those collective bargaining agreements, like they have in the NBA, those people make fifty percent of all the revenue that comes into the NBA. The players make roughly fifty percent, and that's true across most sports, close to fifty percent. But in the UFC, it's not. Because those guys dog the shit out of those fighters, and those guys make somewhere between 20 and 30% of the total revenue, which is not the model for professional sports. But that has only come out in recent years because um, a couple of people sued the UFC over some, uh, over collu- it's not collusion, but they had some issues with concussion issues and just different damages that they thought they had felt were unfair pay, unfair health risks, and they, and they, they put the, the screws to them. And when you have a lawsuit and you got enough money to get the lawsuit rolling and keep it rolling, there's a stage of the lawsuit called discovery. And my dating um, 
piece that's on my website is called The Evidence of Discovery. If you've been on my Facebook group, there's a video on my page. There's I think I put the video also on the website, and there's a long piece I wrote. But it's it's what I think about dating. But it's my side of the story. It's what's in my folders, my you know, in my cabinet. That's why it's called the evidence of discovery. It's because of the legal precedent for discovery. If you on the defense have this evidence, you have to turn that evidence over and give a copy to the prostitute, to the prostitution, to the prosecution, so that they can then, you know, DNA test it when they're on experts or review it or whatever, right? You're going to introduce this at trial. They have a right to know about it. That's called discovery. And, and the UFC had to do this. And, and they're not paying people fairly, um, not by the, the model of, of modern sports. Now, you're not going to hear that. I've never seen that reported anywhere else except for Mr. Dave Meltzer and a couple of wrestling journalists who followed some of the UFC lawsuits because of, uh, I guess some wrestlers have been involved in that or because Dana White gives them a, a, a you know, they're a pain in the ass and they want to stick it to Dana White in the UFC. How did how does this tie back to women? It's it's all just the the numbers and the economics of it. If you got a hundred people willing to do a job and you only got five openings, you can they'll low bid the shit out of each other. You know how it is, man. There's no honor among thieves, and the best five people are not going to be the best five people hired. I'm sorry, the best five people are not going to be the five people hired. It's just going to work out so that. You know, it's the employer's advantage, and they can skew it, and they can keep a little more money and lower their requirements and maybe give them a little more work, and they can they can take advantage of somebody is what they're doing. Somebody don't know any better. You know, you ought to get paid $12 an hour. It's okay. They pay me 9 and I'm like, that man, you know how long it'll take you to get that $3 back in raises? Like how many, how many evaluation periods or years? Think about that. If you could get a dollar a raise a year, it would be three years to get your $12. But if they start you out at nine and then cap it with a three percent raise, and you can't even get thirty cents a year, it'll take you forever to get to twelve. You'll have to transfer. You're gonna find another line of work to get that twelve dollars. You you would be better off to to do very very good at that job and quit and ask them to, to bring you back and make them pay you the twelve dollars. Because you can, if those of you who have never done that, you can jump pay because they can hire outside people at a higher rate than they can promote people from within and give them higher numbers. How does this tie back to women? It, and it's it's about a family thing when I say this too, that you have the, the dynamic of the household. So you have women who used to be at home and they had one-on-one attention. If they got one kid, if they got five kids, it's one against five. But you understand the, the numbers here. Like if you're a teacher... And it's always the substitute teacher. What's the quality of the education in that classroom? Well, I don't know. You know. Don't give me some bullshit. It's not the same as having the real teacher, right? And if you have a teacher who's got five students, they can get more attention, right? Yeah. But what if it's one teacher and she's got 30 students? Well, you know, I don't like that ratio. Right. What if it's one teacher who's got five students or you've got a substitute teacher who's got 30 students? Uh, don't give me a bullshit liberal fucking crazy answer. I mean, the the real schematics of this are simple. It's an underqualified person. Maybe they're a retired teacher, but at the same time, they're not at the top of the game. They don't have anything riding on it, right? Because you know they're they a full time gig, and you got thirty students to them, so they can't give the same amount of resources to each student. It spreads it thin, right? Right. So when you look at the the work world that way and say there's so many more people and they have these shittier jobs, they never have to pay anybody overtime, right? Because they can hire all these part-time people. 
They've hired so many people to work 20 hours. The next place, you know, hires them to work 20 hours. And they got, I got three jobs. Yeah, but you only work 15 hours at each job. I work 45 in my one job. Like, fuck that logic. You know, I make more dollars an hour than you make in overtime. And I'm working 30 hours. So when you work 45 for less money, like, you're still not the same pay as me. Think about those numbers now. I just, what gets so funny about these situations is this. You have women who ran off to go to work, and then the dads didn't switch and stay home. So the kids have the substitute teacher, the babysitter, the parent, the grandparent, the family. Well, they're with my mom. They're okay. We all know that people who were raised by their grandmother do not have, it's not an equivalent process to the people who were raised by their biological parents. As much as you want to draw that that line, it's a sketchy line. You know, and it can be erased. And it's it's not it's not a solid parallel. It's not. Um people who are raised in a in a home with two biological parents have a greater chance to succeed than people with one biological parent or who are adopted. But people in a two parent co parent home have greater chances to of success. Uh, because the track record for them is that they make more money, they have a better education, they have a better experience in life uh, than people who have a single parent home, or especially kids who are adopted into. But people who are adopted into a two parent situation still fare better than people who are in a single parent home. Hmm. And all the, you look up the sociological data if you need to. You can play with it, and you're like, no, I know of this one situation. Yeah, and you might know of this fucking town where you can just speed ninety miles an hour through Montana. And it's fine. But in other places in the world, it's not cool to be that fucking reckless. You don't want to do that to yourself. You don't want to do it to the people around you. Make excuses for like, no, it can work. Yeah, you could use a lighter to peer into that gasoline can on the stove. What's the chances? I don't know. Put your face down there. Risk it all, motherfucker. Like it's, But it's not a good idea. Why don't you just take your nose over there? It smells like gas. We didn't even have to introduce a flame to that combustible element. Oh, yeah, you know, because there's a safer fucking way to do things. And there is. Like, you know, you, you got to, but you got to have patience and you got to stick together. The sense of community is where it comes. You let Walmart waltz into your community and shut down the fucking hardware store and the other clothing store and the consignment shop and the paint store. And pretty much all you got to Walmart. Then they can dictate the wages, the benefits, everything. And there's less jobs in one place. And that money gets spent through those registers tax-free. For those of you who are unaware of this, you go to the zoning commission when you're bringing a business that size in and you negotiate so no, they don't pay taxes for the first however many years. They're creating 300 jobs. No, they're not. And they're relocating 300 jobs from other retailers that they're putting out of business who are no longer paying benefits and they're leaving. They're going bankrupt. So now you got the property value in your town going down because there's no business in those buildings. Those people are still employed? Yes. And the money that goes through the registers is tax-free because that's what they negotiated for the first five to ten years. And it all goes back to Bentonville. And these people are expendable and replaceable because now you've shut down all the other options. And there's no competition. So whatever they want to charge for prices, they want to import all the goods. So now the distributors, who they were buying their goods from down the street in Jonesville. Yeah, not anymore. Walmart's buying them from fucking Beijing or wherever in China. So you've ruined your whole fucking community. 
this idea that you have this all of these people who make more and more of a compromise. It doesn't have to be females. It can be men. But the more and more of that compromise that you make to give away a little more, we're going to save a few dollars and shop at the family dollar and the Dollar General and the Dollar Tree and the... You know, they find plastic in the rain now, but that's because you buy all this horse shit and it's made with plastic and packaged in plastic and shipped in plastic and made with polymers and, you know. Those of you who have this disillusion that you're going to buy a Tesla or an electric car or whatever, just remember that your your car is all paint and polymers and the tires are seven gallons of petroleum and gas. I mean, it's refined fossil fuels. It's all the same shit that's burning through your gas tank in a different state, but you have to make the rubber to make the tires. That same petroleum is in the paint products that are all over your car. It's in all the plastic components. It's in all the rubber gaskets and seals around your windows and everything else. It may not burn gas on a continuous basis for the next 200,000 miles. But you can't have the automobile or ship it on an 18-wheeler or anything else without the gas. Where you getting those batteries and all that shit from? You just, just remember that. There's a good argument for all that stuff. The, the alternative... Is to live local and shop local and drive less and walk more and bicycle and whatever the fuck. It's the only way around it. As long as you're going to be beating up roads and paying heavy machinery and going out there and pouring asphalt and doing all this hot shit that burns carbon. That's what it is. But what I'm referring to in this specific episode is about, you know, people and community and how you've, you've lost the ability to make great money and to make America great again. But, I mean, that's what it boils down to. If you have a bunch of people who are willing to work for less, if they lower the standards for the job and can hire you versus a a guy they just flew in from somewhere, somebody who just got off of a, a boat or a plane or a trip or a ship, well... But, you know, it's up to us to buy the goods that require a job with so little craftsmanship. I mean, it really is. Like when, you know, you're going down there and you're just buying a crazy amount of stuff from the Dollar Tree. I got 15 things for my $15. Oh, okay. Well, with my $15, I bought this hammer that's never going to fucking go bad. I'm going to beat nails into walls everywhere that I go. Because I like helping people and I like building stuff and I like being constructive. And that's going to last me the rest of my life. It's never even going in the landfill. I can hand that down to somebody or I'll sling it out in the yard and it'll decay in the soil. There's other stuff. You're doing stuff that has dire consequences that are never going away. It's the same as shopping and having all this packaging and all this bullshit. Well, you know, we're going to stop using plastic straws. The, the question is, why the fuck are you using straws to begin with? You don't trust the people. You don't trust the... No, no man, because... Then I would tell you to clean stuff better and make better and more sanitary choices. I would never use a straw at a restaurant, even when they give me stuff. I, I never order stuff in a drive through so you can't give me that, like, slurpy versus whatever argument. I don't remember the last time I had a straw. But, um, I mean, that's what, it, that's what it boils down to. You want to fucking get rid of the pollution that cars give off? Stop using cars. Stop using four-wheeled vehicles. Forget the fucking argument about batteries and whatever the fuck else. Walk away from it. And when I say walk away from it, see how I said that? And it's got like eight layers to it. <laughs> anyway, it's time to get back from lunch. It's 1 p.m. I had a call. We gotta make we gotta make a few calls and kick a few tails. But I hope you've enjoyed my little lecture. Nothing fun here today. Just stuff to think about. <laughs>
And if you got anything as far as feedback goes, shoot it at me. Shoot me my emails on the writing page. Uh, the writing page is in every episode description. You click on it, facebook.com slash Michael L. Craver. My number's on there. Don't call me and give me a bunch of shit. But my my um, contact information's there. You can send a message through the Facebook thing. If you got my personal Facebook, say hello. A lot of people do. Um, and I hope you're enjoying your week. It's a little gray skies again today, but... Um, I'm going to go hit the asphalt before... Whose fault? I'm going to go hit the asphalt before it's over with. And uh, a special message to my friend, Nathonian. Listen, Gomer Powell. I hope you watch your ass out there. Some of us, and I talked about this this whole episode about jobs and sacrificing yourself, basically. Nathan decided he wants to join up and join the Army. Some of us would be very proud of him. Some of us will say he's making a sacrifice. There's others of us, <clears throat> Niall, who will say he's sacrificing uh, his future and his self, right? A lot of weight carried with that decision. I always talk about the gravity of decisions. So, You guys think about what I said. Maybe listen to it twice. Yell at me three times. I hope you have a beautiful day. I hope you take care. I'll talk at you again real soon. Yeah.